Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. I'm a former libertarian who now sits pretty comfortably on the left. Hi, I'm Danielle Moody, former educator and recovering lobbyist. But today I'm an unapologetic woke commentator on America's threats to democracy. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with some of the most knowledgeable and entertaining people in politics, media, and beyond. Our goal is to try and make sense of our current crazy world, our new abnormal, and hopefully even make you laugh through the tears. Hello, and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode of The New Abnormal, and we thank you so much for being here. Today, we have an extra special episode with Chris Geidner, who writes the newsletter Law Dork, and he's going to tell us all about all the fuckery with the case SCOTUS has just taken up. But first, let's have some fun. Are you guys ready to listen to some clips? Yes. Yeah, man, let's do it. Well, as I mentioned last week, our segment, What the Hell is Herschel Walker Talking About, has to come to an end now that he has lost his bid to become a senator. Thank God. Thank God. But that does not mean that there's not a lot of fallout because people are big mad, particularly the queen of big mad right now, one Laura Ingram of Fox News. Let's take a listen. Was on the part of the Democrats. I felt it. You felt it. But we don't change anything. We have the same people in place in leadership, same people in place. Apparently at the RNC, that's not perhaps that's not changing. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again. I'm pissed tonight, frankly. Go ahead. Yeah, it's really offensive. I'm mad. For Republican voters, for Republican donors who have put so much. Not the candidate, though. The people she should be mad at are her fellow Fox News primetime anchors. (laughs) Who does she think pushed Herschel Walker on people? (laughs) Like, she pushed Herschel Walker on people. Yeah. I'm so confused about her talking about the leadership and not talking about the quality or lack thereof of the bullshit candidates that they ran. Like, why do you think that you lost because Herschel Walker was a magnificent candidate and people just didn't come out to vote for him or he was an embarrassment of a fucking human and people were just like, I think I'll stay the fuck home. What? It's Sean Hannity who pushed Herschel Walker like harder than anybody and had him on as a guest like God knows how many times and kept telling people what a great candidate he was. Like, she just doesn't want to call out her fellow anchor by name, so she's pretending this is someone else's fault. I don't know who to fault for this, but, like, I, I do. Some Somebody owes me my time and energy back from having to scream at my TV and listen to these fucking <laughs> clips of Herschel Walker embarrass everyone. Van Jones just apologized to you, Danielle. <laughs> love, a, love a previous episode callback. Okay, but... I have a really big news flash here. It's always big news when a man can grow. And, you know, we're very handicapped in that department. Never mind a conservative man. And Tucker Carlson has experienced growth. Well, one thing I learned, Geraldo, in the midterms two weeks ago is I'm really not good at predicting political outcomes (laughs) at all. Um, So I'm never never doing that again, (laughs) either looking ahead or retrospectively. I'm never going to tell you what might have happened or what may happen ever again because I'm back. I don't believe him. (laughs) 
Yeah. He could have just ended by like, I'm just bad at it, you know, and and we would all we would all say, What's it? Just all of it, right? Like just stop. I mean, everything else he says is made up shit. So what's mm-hmm. different about this? I don't get it. I have said that since 2016, when I thought that Hillary was going to win, and the only thing I can say in my defense is that I said I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think, but I think she's going to win. But I was wrong, and it definitely made me a little gun shy, and it's why I like refuse to count Trump out now or anything like that. But come on, Tucker. Seriously? I mean— Honestly, like polls in just in general are like reading the fucking tea leaves. And you're right. I would rather shake a magic eight ball than listen to pollsters ever again tell us things that they have no idea. It's not science, but like neither is anything that comes out of Tucker Carlson's mouth. So I wish that what he had said was, guys, because of the midterm elections, I'm just ending my show, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I can't be counted on to deliver any type of news or analysis to you ever. And I have embarrassed myself. So I'm bowing out. Yeah, but he'd have to have some sense of shame to do that. I keep thinking of like the humility, like, you know, if if Fetterman had lost, I'd be modest and say, you know, the stroke really did not do him any favors. That's really sad. But you ran the worst candidate of stumping in the history of mankind. And you're this shocked about that your outcome, you thought this person was going to win? Like, how stupid do they think that their voters are? I mean, that's that's really the question is that like. How stupid do they think that their voters are? But they well, think very little of them. So there's that. Yep. They're voters. They're viewers. They think pretty much nothing of them. Well, I have news. There's more old white men who are conservative having growth. Rick Scott, favorite of this podcast, he's grabbed a clue as well. I think we ought, we do have to have a message that when when Republicans run, you say, you're. this is what Republicans are going to get done. Every state rate, every race is going to be a little bit different, but we've got to have an agenda. We've got, we've got $31 trillion of debt. We've got inflation 40-year high. We've got crime. We've got a board, open border. We've got, to, we've got to show the American public that we have a reason. There's a reason to vote for us, and we have to tell them why, why they vote for us. What a novel idea. <laughs> a platform. <laughs> and a, an agenda, a platform. You mean you don't just run it like a fucking rerun like they did the 2016 RNC agenda and then ran it again in 2020, and they're like, oh, here's looking at 2024. Yeah, people want a plan. I just want to point out that Rick Scott came out with, I don't remember if it was like 11-point or 12-point plan to save America (laughs) that was so bad that even other Republicans were like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Just shut up. And they like just threw it in the trash and we never heard anything about it after that. And this was supposed to be like his big thing as the head of the National Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee. But the plan had stuff in it like getting rid of the Medicare and Social Security guarantees and stuff like that. And Republicans were like, we can't run on that. Like, yeah, it's what we want to do, but we can't say that. So for Rick Scott to be out there saying we need a plan, it's like, well, you tried that and your entire party told you to fuck right off. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. Also, epic fail on his part. First time in 80 years that a party that has the president defended every single seat in the Senate that was up for re-election. Wow. I mean, you know, bravo, Dark Brandon. Bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but we're not 
done. We have the, the grand poobah of having no fucking clue, as always. One Charlie Kirk does not get why people think their vote might not count. He doesn't realize that maybe he had a hand in that. Now, I know the thousands of you that have told me that you're done and you're going to give up. That's fine. Just actually, it's not fine, but <laughs> have a nice day. Gee, Charlie, where did they hear their vote didn't matter? They're so dumb. Yeah, I mean, they walk around saying that everything is fraud, and then they wonder why there are people that listen to them who stay home and say, well, my vote's not going to be counted, so I'm not going to bother voting. It's like they think that everyone is going to read between the lines of the bullshit sandwich that they're offering, and people don't because they're gullible. And if you spoon-feed them bullshit every single day, then you know what? They start to develop an appetite for it. So you've told them for years that the 2020 election was stolen, that everything is rigged, like you're saying, Andy, everything is fraud— And then you're going to tell them, no, 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 but take two, three hours out of your day to go stand in line for a rigged, fraudulent election in a system that you think is corrupt? How does that work? They're suppressing their own votes and they are dumbfounded when the outcome is this. It's 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 their stupidity at this point is impressive. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And in not to defend Charlie Kirk, but his IQ is roughly 36. So (laughs) it's not too much of a surprise that he doesn't really understand what's going on. So, you know, there are others like Tucker, as we said before, is just like a huge grifter. But Charlie Kirk is so stupid that he just has no clue what's going on in the world. I think I've said before, I I just always picture him like trying to get dressed in the morning and just being absolutely defeated by buttons. (laughs) Like, Having no cons, like, what do I do? How does this, can I just have the Velcro shirt? It's like, take the socks off of your hands. They go on your feet. (laughs) Right, exactly, yeah. So that, I mean, that's how I picture Charlie Kirk every day, so. Well, we're going to now move on from the Herschel reacts. We have one last one. One, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, who I notice, you know, his state borders Louis Gohmert's district. And I know Louis stepping down, so it seems like Mr. Kennedy is really trying to step into the big shoes to fill of Louie of being the biggest fucking moron in the uh, governing body. So uh, let's hear from him. We have to uh, buy fossil fuels from foreign countries. And a lot of those foreign countries, like Venezuela, hate us. And so we're, we're, we're buying oil from Venezuela, so Venezuela will have more money to buy weapons to try to kill us. It, 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 it just makes no sense. And, and in terms of the economy overall, it's even worse. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but, but when, there's an old saying, you've heard it, if, you, uh, if you're going to have a party, you've got to pay the band. Guys, I stay up all night thinking about the Venezuela missile crisis that's coming our way. (laughs) There was a time when I entered into politics and I, you know, I was so insecure that I wasn't smart enough. Right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So insecure that I didn't have a law degree, you know, like, you know, could I really tough it out in this in this world of politics and and yes, yes, a Muppet can, you know, like a Muppet can do it. I just like if someone put Kennedy's resume in front of me, just the education section, and I looked at it and I'd be like, well, he graduated magna cum laude from Vanderbilt, Phi Beta Kappa, 
got a law degree from University of Virginia, got a Bachelor of Civil Law from Oxford, I would think, wow, this guy's a fucking genius. Like, and I would be like you, Daniel. I'd be like, oh, I, you know, probably can't even have a conversation with this guy because his head's so far up in the clouds. And then he speaks. (laughs) (laughs) And then I weep for the educational system in this country. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, I can't explain it. Yeah. You know, he's like one of those guys, you're good on paper. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The good on paper guys, when you're like, you're, you're, you're straight and you go on a date, it's like, yeah, he's good on paper. And then you get there at the blind date and he starts talking and you're like, oh my God, check please. Like that, that's him. Well, you guys, I think just need to really do some studying about Venezuela and you'll really see that they're really gunning for America. He, he's really in the know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready to stop, drop, and roll. (laughs) Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience. And it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries. And it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash the new abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash the new abnormal. It was a big week in oral arguments for the Supreme Court, and here to give us some insight into the cases it heard is the law dork himself, former BuzzFeed legal editor and former deputy editor for legal affairs at Grid News, and current publisher of the excellent legal newsletter Law Dork, Chris Geidner. Chris, thanks so much for being here. Hey, Andy. So let's start with the arguments that the court heard on Wednesday around the case known as Moore v. Harper. This is about a concept known as independent state legislature, which you perhaps charity 
charitably referred to as a scam. What is this and why is it absolute nonsense? Yeah, I'm not quite sure how... I mean, I think I am sure, but how we got to this point, but (laughs) this is where we are. And I mean, the independent state legislature uh, scheme, scam concept, (laughs) I refuse to put in writing that it's either a theory, let alone a doctrine, Right, (laughs) is this like fever swamp idea that because the constitution says that legislatures set the time, place, and manner for federal elections, they therefore do that as a free-floating entity and nobody else in the state system is able to overrule that. And specifically what we're dealing with is basically state judicial review, going to state courts when a state legislature does something with voting laws, with redistricting, and the independent state legislature theory would say, you can't do that. You can't take them to court for what we got into yesterday at arguments for any substantive dispute over that. So basically this, again, not to call it a theory or a doctrine, but this idea is that the state legislature, they have a blank check with regard to state election law. This is the problem when you get to these sort of like totally outside of reasonable debate uh, theories (laughs) is that even arguing with them becomes difficult. Right. You would be able to, and this came up in arguments on Wednesday, you would be able to challenge them in federal court, but the federal courts have limited what challenges are allowed in recent years, and that's why people are going to state courts. And then the other option is you can go to Congress and have them pass a law, a federal law that would apply to all 50 states that would somehow get through this House and Senate and president and would be some way of dealing with like a decision that here, North Carolina has made. Like, I mean, it's it's almost an ab- absurd argument, but that is what the proponents of the independent state legislature scheme say is the like the escape valve if things go wrong, as opposed to what we do now, which is if you have a problem with what your state legislature does, you go to your state Supreme Court and say, look, we've got a constitution that governs how we operate in this state. And we think the state legislature has violated. So as you alluded to, the case was brought by the speaker of the North Carolina House of Representatives, who was represented by attorney David Thompson. My understanding from reading what you and others wrote about it is that at least from the tone of the questioning, even this court didn't really seem willing to go along with this batshit theory? Yeah, there was not a lot of support for Mr. Thompson. Now, he did sort of go as far as this theory could go. He even said, and this could have consequences for how the case is decided, but he said, we're not even challenging whether the North Carolina Supreme Court correctly interpreted the North Carolina Constitution. We're putting that aside. What we're saying is 
they didn't have a right to take the case. Right. And that was so far that even Justice Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts were sort of like, doesn't that go further than we've ever gone? And even more than them, Justice Barrett, by my reading of the arguments, was almost in the same camp as the three Democratic appointees with her fairly consistent skepticism across the arguments of this scheme. So I noticed a name you left out there. So talk to me about my old college buddy, Neil Gorsuch. And in particular, he had a bizarre exchange with uh, Neil Katyal, who is the attorney on the other side here. Something about the states and three-fifths clauses? Yeah. So <laughs> you've got the the last three are, are, are Thomas and Alito and Gorsuch. And they had in the past sort of suggested that they thought this theory could be legit. They wanted the court to take a case to resolve this issue. So those were the trio that we thought were most likely to support it. And Alito, I mean, like what I wrote at Lawdork was like, Alito normally comes into arguments with like, I know what my position is and I'm going to make sure you do too. Right. He's not really inquisitive at arguments. He's more directive. And that's the nice way of putting it. <laughs> And I was even told I could swear. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being nice. <laughs> he, in arguments, like sort of did bring skeptical questions both to the lawyer for the North Carolina Republicans, but also to the three lawyers, the trio of lawyers who were arguing against him. Two, there was a, a set of private plaintiffs represented, like Common Cause was the main plaintiff, and that's who Neil Katyal was representing. Then there was Don Verrilli, who was representing the leaders of North Carolina, the statewide electeds who are Democrats. And then General Preligar, who's the SG, was representing representing the United States. And Alito had skeptical questions for both sides. So I think he could be open to sort of a middle ground. And even Thomas asked some questions that suggested maybe not on the theory itself, but he asked some questions about like, well, why is the case even here? Should we be hearing this? That suggested maybe, maybe even he thinks this has gone too far. Right. But not Gorsuch. <laughs> Gorsuch <laughs> was all in. He was the only person sort of giving the like softball attempted questions to Thompson during his arguments. And then at one point he was trying to get Neil Katyal to agree that their theory would allow state Supreme Courts and state constitutions to basically override the legislatures and override federal efforts and could lead to really bad circumstances. And there were a few examples that he could have pointed to. There was an example of Maryland trying to avoid implementing the 19th Amendment. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, <laughs> he <laughs> went with 
the Virginia effort to constitutionalize under its state constitution the three-fifths compromise, the racist initial founding stain um, on the constitution that was only overturned after the Civil War with the Civil War amendments that said that enslaved persons would count as three-fifths of a, a free person for purposes of congressional representation. Neil Gorsuch was trying to get Neil Katyal to defend this. And there were reasons why Neil Katyal didn't even need to because he could distinguish it. It just became this really icky moment of Gorsuch trying to press his point in an unseemly way with an awkward question that wasn't even necessary. It really left a bad taste in my mouth at arguments. And then when I reread the transcript last night, as you noted on Twitter, like it read even worse. It was like, yeah, this wasn't just like something that he pulled out of his hat when he like, was like thinking up questions on the bench. Like he clearly came to the arguments ready to ask Neil about this. Yeah, that's just bizarre. If I may name drop here, I used to work for the great Pete Williams. And we were always told not to read too much into the tone of oral arguments. But it sounds like the feeling here is that, as you put it at Law Dork, democracy might survive the worst case scenario here. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to imagine where five votes would come for Thompson's strong independent state legislature argument. Right. Okay. So let's jump back to Monday. There was the case that the more I read about it, the stranger it seems. It's called 303 Creative v. Alanis, I think it is. Yeah. And on the surface, this involves a web designer named Lori Smith who says her Christian beliefs mean she can't design wedding websites for same-sex couples and that the state of Colorado has to be stopped from forcing her to do so, which, okay, at least seems like something that SCOTUS, you know, should take a look at or could take a look at. But none of this is real, right? None of this has happened. Yeah, this is a two-sided problem. (laughs) What you're saying is right. She doesn't even have a wedding website business yet. (laughs) Right. We're not even talking about she's worried about a hypothetical denial. Like, she's got a hypothetical business that she's worried about a hypothetical same-sex couple who's going to come to her and then a hypothetical denial of them that's going to lead to hypothetical enforcement from Colorado. (laughs) None of that might happen. Right. I mean, I guess she could say that, like, she's going to start the business. But any of the other hypotheticals beyond that, we don't know if they're there. So there is a way of looking at this that we just shouldn't be here yet with this case. Yeah. Now... The other side that I'll give you of that is we do like pre-enforcement challenges when we're worried about a state law violating somebody's constitutional rights. Okay. That is something that we do believe there is standing. There is a reasonable fear of 
state action against you for exercising a constitutional right is traditionally a time when the courts have allowed a pre-enforcement challenge. Now, <laughs> the problem with that in this era is it really seems like the Supreme Court is only okay with that when you're on one side of the fence. Right. If you remember, the court didn't even rule on a pre-enforcement challenge to Texas's SBA vigilante enforcement abortion restrictions until a day after the law went into effect. And then, of course, they let it go into effect. Right. Even though, like, now we know, fast forward, the court overturned Roe, but under Roe, that Texas law was clearly unconstitutional. Uh-huh. It was a six-week abortion ban. So under Roe versus Wade, that law was unconstitutional. And yet the court didn't allow a pre-enforcement challenge. They let it go forward and it was in place for several months before Dobbs came down and tossed out Roe. And so you've got this situation where standing, which is the the principle underlying this, justiciability, is being enforced very strictly when people on the liberal side of the fence bring a case, and it's being enforced in a less stringent way when somebody like Lori Smith comes to the court. Like, that was hardly a part of the argument on Monday. And then the other part of this is, like, on the surface, it seems like you could make this a free speech case. When that's technically what it is. Now, keep in mind, like, the other part of the fact that there is no actual case here is that like her lawyers are Alliance Defending Freedom. They were also the lawyers behind Masterpiece Cake Shop. Right. Like they helped draft the Mississippi abortion ban that was at issue in Dobbs. Like they are all in the mix. And I think that they were very happy to have a case like this that Lori Smith brought where she was the only person to be interviewed. There was no same-sex couple that could get on TV and say, look, we live in this small town and Lori is the only person who does wedding websites within 50 miles of us. And so this like causes us great damage because we have to like go to Denver to meet with this guy who does websites, like whatever it would have been. Like we we don't know because she's the plaintiff. There is no same sex couple on the other side who was denied services. But isn't it also like, unlike the Masterpiece Cake Shop thing, where you can at least make an argument that if someone is that opposed to gay marriage, they shouldn't have to bake a cake and write a message on it for a gay couple. That's an argument, at least. But in this case, no one was even going to force her to specifically design a website for a gay couple. The state law is simply that if she was selling a website design, like a template for a wedding site or whatever, she can't then not sell that design to a same-sex couple. So it's more about commerce than speech, isn't it? Or am I wrong? That would be the line that some are hoping the court draws okay to make it very clear she and her lawyers are trying to argue that she is doing speech 
that these are personalized. I mean, again, this is the ridiculousness of there not being an actual case, an actual website. Right. Like she is arguing that, and this is what Justice Sotomayor got into at arguments. Like Lori Smith and her lawyer, Kristen Wagoner from ADF, is arguing that this is a personalized website that she sits down with the couple's Again, hypothetical couples. She sits down with couples and talks with them about how they met. And she then goes and writes it up. And she makes sure that the website looks perfect and tells their story. And at the bottom of the page, it says, like, it has the little, like, footnote, like the little footer on the website that says, like, designed by... Lori with love, 303 creative in God we trust or whatever it said. It, it says some, some little line and then it has a link to 303 creatives website that says more about her faith and her religious mission with her company. And sort of Sotomayor was looking at the mock-ups of the website and she was sort of saying like, this looks kind of rote. <laughs> Here's a paragraph on how they met. Here's a page on the directions to the wedding. Here's a page on the hotels in the area. Here's a page with a link to the registry. She was trying to make the point that that you're making that like, this doesn't actually seem like we're talking about a lot of speech here. Right. This, this looks like you are wanting to put a product into commerce. And, and that's kind of the fear about deciding this case without having an actual case to look at is that you could end up with a decision that like tries to draw distinctions, but doesn't have facts underlying it. And so you end up with the thing that I mentioned earlier discussing this case elsewhere was we all know what happens when the Supreme Court issues a decision. We all know exactly what ADF is going to do. They're going to look for where can we push this further? They're going to look to bring their next case. And they're going to go somewhere where they can get a judge to say, I mean, the example that I said before is like, I like spend a lot of time making my barbecue and my mac and cheese. And I am a artistic chef. And this is expressive speech when I am bringing together a family to the table. And I'm not going to do that. I, I can't be forced to send that message if the false family coming together for a meal is a same-sex couple who is celebrating a marriage that I think is fraud. And then you're going to end up with a Trump appointee who says, yes, that's exactly right. And that's clearly what the Supreme Court meant. And we're off to the races with another three years of cases at appeals courts and potentially up at the Supreme Court again. So I have to get out. But before I do, like 10 seconds or less, can you just give me a gut feeling as to how this is going to be decided? It would be shocking if Lori Smith loses. Wow. I think the contours of the decision are where we're going to see how they handle this. And and the other thing I do just want to quickly say we didn't get into it is like, because this is a free speech, 
case and not a religion case. It doesn't have to be based on religion even. They just can say, I am opposed to the message that this would send. And so this could go in all broad directions. And that's why so much of the arguments focused on totally non-religious reasons. Like I'm just a racist and I don't want to send the message of interracial couples should exist. Like, I just, I don't want to show that. Right. And this is the problem with creating an exception to non-discrimination laws based on the First Amendment. Yeah, there's just, there's no bottom to this slippery slope, it seems like. Based on speech, specifically, based on speech within the First Amendment. Chris, thank you so much. Go to lawdork.com, subscribe now. It's an absolutely fantastic newsletter, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, Andy. Hope you enjoyed checking out this episode of The New Abnormal. We're back every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and keep the conversation going. This podcast is a Daily Beast production with production by Jesse Cannon and Seamus Calder. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.